want to open up here today with a uh, with a report that is an it's an official report um, for the city of New York that was placed on the uh, mayor of New York City's desk. Um, this report is titled "Understanding New York City's Mental Health Challenge," and again, this is an official city of New York report. And it said this in the report, and I, I took this directly from it, so I just want you guys to hear this as we open up today. While statistics alone cannot capture the devastating human cost of mental illness, they drive home the scope of the mental health crisis facing New York City. At least one in five adult New Yorkers is likely to experience a mental health disorder in any given year. 8% of New York City public high school students report attempting suicide. That percentage, it says, doubles if a student has been bullied on school ground, which 18% of students have experienced. 73,000 New York City public high school students report feeling sad or hopeless each month. Approximately 8% of New Yorkers experience symptoms of depression each year. Major depressive disorder is the second, is the single greatest source of disability in New York City. At any given time, over half a million adult New Yorkers are estimated to have depression. Yet, less than 40% report receiving care for it. There are, eight, there are $14 billion in estimated annual productivity losses in New York City alone tied to depression and substance misuse. And the report ended this way. It said the stigma of mental illness has been found to have serious negative effects on hope and an individual's sense of self-esteem. This is all in the greatest city of the world, right? The Big Apple. This is in a city where there's close to 23 million people, considered the largest city in all of the United States. A city that many of us have, and many people consider, the most influential city in the entire world. Staggering statistics that are very much real and a real part of life here in New York City. Here at Swerve Church, we start the series and we said this, the struggle is real. Mental health is a real struggle. It's a real struggle. We can't hide from the overwhelming struggles that many of us in this room are, are facing. Many in our homes are going through, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, as you heard, and in our workplaces. We simply cannot hide from it, and so we are facing it today. We're facing it in our series that the struggle is real. But I want to tell you today, what if I told you that despite that last line that said that, that, said that uh, the negative effect of mental health results in hopelessness and low self-esteem? What if we said today that there is hope for us, that there is hope for this world, that there is hope for our nation, that there is hope for our city, that there is hope for our homes, and there's hope for each and every one of you sitting here today? And what if I told you that that hope is found in none other than Jesus Christ? There is hope through the struggle, and though it is real. And so we already established that this entire series is not to give you the answer on how to solve it overnight. But the point of this series is to do just this, to point each of you to the one who has the answer. The one that, we can, that, that can heal all broken hearts. The one that can take away every tear, that can wipe them away. The one that can calm all our fears and redeem every soul. 
And that's an exciting thought. And I want to pause and I want to pray and then I want to read our main text for today. And that's going to be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 to 27. It is in your notes if you're with us for the first time. When you open up those uh, bulletins, you'll find our notes there for you. I encourage you, we encourage you to follow along and take those notes. And so let us pause and let us pray again um, as we enter this, this deep topic and as we go into our main text today. You guys pray with me? Father, we just thank you, God, that, Lord, we can come to you, Lord, with such heavy hearts, God. We can come to you with a heavy topic, God. We can come to you with, Lord, anything. And that, God, you are a caring and loving God, that you will meet us right here in this room, God. That you would speak to us right here as we sit here, Lord. That you would touch us, that you would, that you would encourage us, that you would lift us, that you would assure us of your great love, and so, God, I pray with my brothers, my sisters, my friends, and my family here this morning that, God, you would do the work, Lord, that would lift up the name of Jesus above all names. And that we would sit here, that we would leave here, that we would walk from here, that we would live from here knowing that Christ is exalted and that Christ has won the victories of our lives and that we can face all struggles, though they are real, that we can place our hope in Christ. And so, God, may you encourage us today and may the name of Jesus be lifted up. And we pray, we pray, God, have your way. We thank you. We glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so that, uh, that verse is going to be on the screen. Um, it's, gonna, it's in your notes. I'm going to read it for us. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 to 27. What I'm going to do at first is I'm going to read the entire thing. All right. And then we're going to go and break that apart as we go on today. So it opens up in verse 24. It says, instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. So that there will be no division in the body, but that the members will have the same concern for each other. Verse 26. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Verse 27. Now you are, come on, say you are, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. In week one, we set this, we established the ground, we said it is okay not to be okay. All right? We said we know that we all experience a wide range of emotions. We all do. And so it is okay to be not okay. All right? We experience highs and we experience lows. We, we, we don't need to hide from it because what? We said that Jesus himself has come for the sick, right? He's not come for those who put on a mask and say, I got this all well and done on my own. Jesus said, I came for those who are sick. And so we wanted to establish the groundwork. If you are sitting here today and you are not okay, we want to tell you that's okay. We are here for you, right? It is okay not to be okay. That was week one. And last week, Danny spoke about this truth that in this world, you will face afflictions. You will go through it. You will struggle. You will push through the grind. You will fall and you will be knocked down. But we said we will get up, right? We said that there will be pain, but one day all of that will be gone for those who place their hope in Christ. We said this is not our home. Amen. This is not our home. And so that was last week. And today I want to look at a very special gift that God has resourced us with, that God has given us to help us through the realities that the struggle is real and that we will go through things here on this earth, but God has given us a gift. And you just, we just read that main text today. We read verses 24 to 27. I want us to do this. I want us to read it together. Is it up there? 
It's, it's in your notes. So I want you guys to read uh, that, that first part, uh, verse 24, nice and loud. We have that in our notes, right? All right, let's read it nice and loud. Go ahead. Ah, stop, 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 stop. All right, let's, let's, do, let's do it again. All right, one, two, three. Stop right there. Let's read it again. Go ahead. Go, one, two, three. You guys need me to count. Three. Stop right there. Who are we talking? God. And what has God put together? The body. See, God is the mastermind behind how our body, our structure, and our bodies are put together. In his wisdom, God has formed a union in our bodies in such a way that one is dependent on another. Right? God has put it all together so that our body will work in harmony, every part being useful. Every part being beneficial. That's why it says giving greater honor to the less honorable. That means that no part should be dismissed as unimportant. Now skip with me to verse 27. We will get through the middle, but let's skip to verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. What did Paul just do here? He's using the analogy of the body. Paul's emphasizing the importance of each member of this community, the church, the body of Christ, the community of believers, the community that's important. He says every single member of this community is important. Swerve so church, look at the person next to you. No one's moving their heads. Look at the person next to you and recognize that there is value in that person. There's value in the person sitting to your right, to your left, in back of you, in front of you. There is value to that person. So what's the gift that we're talking about that God has given us? It's that person right next to you. It's that person sitting across from you, that person in front and behind you. It is that person that will help get you through your afflictions. Brothers and sisters, each and every one of us, we are the community. We are the body of Christ. And this community is a part of God's original plan. This community is part of God's original plan. You see, God planned to put us in community. God put us in this need for community. Let me say it in a slightly different way if you didn't understand that. God put in each of you a need for community. He put it in you, a need for community. So in your notes, that's the first point. Community is a part of God's original plan. Community is a part of God's original plan. You see, there's a need in every single one of us. There is a longing for community, right? There's a longing to be a part of something. And we find that in the very beginning of the Bible. I want you to take out your Bibles or open it up um, or just using your notes, look up at the screen, whatever way you're going to stick with us and follow through our scriptures. In Genesis 1, verse 26. Where did this need for community come from? Why do we have such a longing desire to be a part of community? Where did it come from? Let's look at Genesis 1 in the very beginning, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let us make man in our image. Let us is referring to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see here that from the very beginning, God in his very nature is a part of community. Before any of God's creation, there was God dwelling in perfect, loving harmony between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We we are made in that image to reflect in his likeness. 
This is why we are wired for community. It's in our makeup. It's in our DNA. It's who we are, are created by, in the image of the need for community, to live in community. This is why our souls long for some meaningful relationships. Community is a part of God's original plan. But the question is for us today, if that's the case, why is it then that so many of us run from community? Why is it that we run from community, the very thing that we've been wired for, the thing that our souls long for? And I find that this is especially true as we deal with this topic of struggle. When the struggle is real, it's in this season of our lives that I've found that we, we, we run. Even though we're in a rut, we're sinking very low, we're in it deep, we're angry, we're feeling loneliness, we're feeling a sense of hopelessness. And it's in this time, for some reason, that you and I, we instead run from community, instead of running to community, instead of running towards our community, we run away from it. We isolate, we stay home, we, we decide that we're going to pull away. And so what I want to do with the rest of our time is trying to see for us in Scripture why we should, instead of running from community, why we should be running towards community and the good and the bad. Tracking? We're good to move forward? All right. So first point, I want us to see in Scripture when it comes to the gift that God has given us in community and the good and the bad, especially in the bad, is this, that biblical community is a place of belonging. See, verse 25 in our main text says, so that there will be no division in the body, but that the members will have some, the same concern for each other. See, uh, Danny loves to throw out Greek, and so I'm like, why not continue this? We're going we're gonna to throw out some Greek at you again today. The word division here comes from this Greek word schizo. All right, and we love to throw it around the Greek, so I'm throwing it at you. It's in your notes. That word means it's to divide by rending, to split into factions, to be divided. This is where we get the word schism from, right? Schism means it's a division or a split between two opposing sides. You see this in the early church to describe the split of the church. When you have a rival church, quote unquote, they split as a schism and they break from the church to form their own church. So it's not a positive word, right? We see this in ancient Greek. They use the word schism for a plow that will cut through the ground, causing a groove so that they can plant their seeds. And it would divide and narrow trench. And so what Paul is saying here is that in the same way, this is what division causes in the church. It scars you. It leaves a gap between you. And it's a problem that Paul is addressing to the church at Corinth. If we keep this in its context, Paul is addressing this to the church at Corinth. He's saying, man, we don't want this division. The church, there is no place for division. It is a place of belonging. And when we say belonging, I want to be clear that what I mean by belonging is not fitting in. Fitting in and belonging are two separate things. Right? It's two separate things. Let's read it here in Galatians 3, verse 38. It says in Galatians 3, verse 28, Paul, again, there is no Greek, Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ. See, there's no division here in how Paul is describing the reality of the community of believers. He says we're all one in Christ. He says you belong here, struggle and all. It's, it's okay if you're not okay. You belong. The gift of the biblical community says you belong. Fitting in requires some type of, you know, uh, some type of change to your personality, some type of change to your culture. It means that you have to fit in. You got to leave some things out. You might have to cut away to some of your habits. You might have to do certain things so that you fit into that puzzle, into that community. When we say you belong, we're saying you come as you are. You come as you are. Struggle and all. 
Biblical community is not a place where you need to fit in. It's a place where you belong. It's a place where you belong. We said again last week, Jesus came for the sick. He came for those who are struggling, who those of us who are humble to admit that we struggle and that we have issues. But I think many of us run from community when we have this idea of community that it's a place that you need to first get things all right and fit into first. Maybe you've been hurt by organizations, by school, by family, by church that has told you that before you enter into our community, we want you to fit in. And to fit in, you need to get rid of a certain aspect of your life, a certain sin that's gripping you, a certain uh, uh, personality, a person that you're carrying around. Until you do that, you cannot fit in. Swerve, we want to be a community that exemplifies what Paul is speaking of here, that there will be no division where all belong, where you belong. You have your scars. You don't have to hide them. You belong. I want to encourage someone today, please, when you are struggling, don't run from the community of Christ, but run to the community of Christ because it is a place where you belong. And church swerve challenges for us to be that church daily. Let's be that church where all are welcomed, where we can say you belong, where you belong. Number two, a biblical community is a place of compassion. It's a place of compassion. I like how Paul in verse 26 points out that if one member suffers, what he said? All suffer. We all suffer. All right, I think of this when we get these nagging headaches or worse, how many of you struggle with migraines? I know my wife does. Right? And, and these migraines, these headaches, they get just so intense and, and it takes a toll, not just on the head, right? And your know, entire body. It goes to your eyes and you can't stand light, sound. You're just like, shut, 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 shut up. Right? It just irritates you. Your body, your bones just start to hurt. You're tired. You don't want to leave bed now. Right? When one part of your body suffers, it all begins to suffer. And Paul's using, again, this analogy to teach us of the function of the body of Christ. That the relationship exists in community of Christ, the church. If one of us suffers, he says, we all suffer. If one suffers, we all suffer. It's a gift of God in the time of struggle because it's a place of compassion. It's a place where we can say, man, you're suffering. I'm going to go through this with you. I'm going to suffer with you. I feel it with you. Brother, sister, I'm going to endure this with you. I love Galatians 6 too. It's in your notes. It says, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The call of the biblical community of Christ is to be a place of compassion where we are carrying the burdens of one another. When the struggles will, how many of us feel just a sense of great loneliness? Right? We're lonely. We feel like I just, I can't do this on my own. But I don't want to put this on anyone else either. So I'm going to just hold back. I'm going to pull back. And I try, I try. I'm going to continue to do this on my own. But it's like quick, like sand, right? Quick sand. You just, you, the more you're struggling on your own, you're trying to get out, the deeper you're going the deeper you're going. But biblical community is a place of compassion where we can pull up one another, where we can hold up one another, where we can pray for one another. Yes, your burdens are heavy and you're not going to carry them alone. You're not called to carry them alone. We're not built that way. We're created in the image of God and the need and the longing for community. You're not going to carry it alone. So my plea is to stop carrying it alone. Stop carrying it alone. The biblical community is a place you belong. It's a place of compassion. 
It's a place where we're going to carry the burdens of one another. And I've shared this a couple of times, Meta. I couldn't think of any other example uh, or challenging season in my life and my wife's life as a married couple where we experienced the compassion of a community of believers in a greater way than when we went through our miscarriage of our third child. I cannot think of a, a, another example, a perfect example of how we experience this compassion. The both of us are struggling mentally, emotionally, placing blame on the wrong places and the wrong people, angry at the wrong people, our circumstances just keep keeping us, pulling us deeper and deeper into places of depression, the suicidal thoughts. I can't think of a deeper place, a harder place than my wife and I have had to go through than that season of our lives. And a great example that we've experienced the compassion of the community of Christ. We've got meals and babysitting. Nothing better than babysitting. We got opportunities to share our hurts and our pains, real places where we can be real and authentic and share how we are feeling to cry. And we had shoulders to lean on as we cried. This was a place of compassion. And I thank God for placing that longing in our hearts because I don't know if I'll be here this morning if it wasn't for that. By his grace calling us to a place where we know that this community is a place of compassion. Number three, biblical community is a place of encouragement. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Biblical community is a place of encouragement. Amen. If you've ever been there, there's times in your lives, right, when you need to be lifted up from that pit. When the struggle is so real, when you're knocked down and you just need a hand to say, pull me back up. God knew that we would need this encouragement to get back up. He knew that we would need the encouragement to keep on fighting, to keep on going when you face opposition, when you're facing the battles in your mind, when you face the battles of fear, doubt, and uncertainty. It's in these times that God has placed community to encourage one another to fight the good fight, to spur on one another, to say all will be well. Swerve, I want to boast in you guys for a moment here if I can. There's not many communities like ours when it comes to a place of community, a place of encouragers. And I just want to thank you guys as my wife and my family have been so blessed by the group of people sitting in front of me right now. The encouragement that we have faced in seasons of our lives where we don't know where God is leading us. Where we've, we've gotten phone calls, where we've had hands laid on us to pray for us. In times of illness, when, when you guys have, when members of this community have left their homes on a day off to go and visit my wife, to be with her, to accompany her during a trip to the doctor's office. When, when someone has come over and just say, hey, random call, I'm outside, I want to drop off, uh, you know, something for you, some soup, some tea. I just want to love on you. I want to encourage you, sister, brother. I want to encourage you. This is the community that I am so thankful for. And so I want to boast. I want to say, Swerve, thank you for being a community of encouragers. And our last scripture reference for today is found in Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us watch out for one another. To provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together. Some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me encourage you today. If you're struggling now. Or you're about to face that struggle because it's coming. Let's not run from community. Let's run to community. It's a place of belonging. It's a place of compassion. It's a place of encouragement. 
And this is all possible because of the redemptive work of our awesome God. The amazing plan of God to heal and to restore every broken heart in this room. Brokenness as a result of your sin, as a result of the world we live in, as a result of my sin towards God, holy, almighty God. That sin that deserves punishment. That nothing that we can do on our own will ever clear us from that debt that we owe. But the penalty of our sin, death laid on Jesus. That the Son of God will make himself just like us, leaving his throne, enduring and facing separation, betrayal, hurt, fear, lost. Every emotion, God, Jesus himself, will take on the cross with him. Will bear my sins, past, present, future. Will bear your sins, past, present, future. And he willingly will pay the full price. And he conquered it as he conquers the grave, the gospel message, the good news, the hope of this world, the hope that will conquer what we read earlier in the report that placed on the mayor's desk, that there is hope found in the message of Christ, that he took your sins and my sins on the cross, and he rose from the grave, proving to be victorious over sin and death, that we can seriously say here that one day every tear will be wiped because of our Savior has paid the price and has risen from the grave victorious. And that we have the promise of everlasting joy in his presence. Let me ask you here today, do you have this hope? It is yours if you would accept that today. The Bible calls us to repent of our sins, to turn from them, to place our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. I play with you today. I play, don't run from Jesus. Run to Jesus. He won't fail you. Can you pray with me? God, it's that truth that we just said, that we just heard. That stirs just a joy in our spirits, God. That wants to shout out, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. God, it's that I pray with my brothers and sisters today that we would understand that in the midst of all of our struggles, that Jesus, you are our hope. You are our anchor. You're the one that we run to. You're the one that's our shelter. You are our refuge. You're the one that hears. You're the one who cares. You're the one who loves us so much so that you died for us. And that God, in your plans, you've given us one another. And so I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see this awesome gift of one another, of community. And that, God, you would give us by your grace when we're enduring, when we're in the struggle, when we're in it, God. When the struggle is real, that by your grace you allow us to run to this community that you've given us. And that we won't run from it. But, God, we will find this place to be a, a truly a biblical place, God, where we will find a place where we belong. We will find compassion. We will be encouraged. We will spur one another to love you deeper, to run after you, to hold on to you, God, that one day we will make it. So, Lord, thank you. We pray. Be lifted up in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.